Welcome, and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. Life is hard. Sometimes it's unbearable. Sometimes our troubles become all-encompassing. It's as if we were in prison. What do we do? Here's First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chun with the answer. So for today, this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible uh, because there's so many levels to this with good, practical, realistic advice. The title of this talk is How to Sing While Feeling Imprisoned, or to say it another way, How to Feel Optimistic in the Darkest of Times. Why imprisoned? Well, our Bible passage will explain it in a moment, but first join me in prayer. Lord, may this be a message of great encouragement for us all, whether online or in person, and draw us closer to you. And may it compel us to be all in for you and trust you in the darkest of times. Amen. Now, even though you were just standing, please stand with me again as I read this passage from the Bible from the book of the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 16, verse 16, and I'm going to be reading from the New Living Bible Translation, um, as told by the Apostle Luke. He, very interactive service. you got to stand up, sit down, fight, fight, fight. Okay, so here's, uh, here's the reading, Acts 16. One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day, until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered, so they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself! We're all here! The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. 
Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Okay, let's unpack this passage. So much fun. The story begins so peacefully and serenely. A group of the disciples, including Paul and Silas, were walking, minding their own business, taking their time, strolling towards a place of prayer. Doesn't that sound great? Walking towards a place of prayer. Some say it might have been along a river bank where there were green trees and the soothing sound of running water. In 2013, a group of church members visited that spot in the Greek city of Philippi. Very pretty area. They have a kind of a shrine there actually now to mark where Lydia and her family possibly got baptized as well as the Philippian jailer's family as recorded in today's passage. So here are the disciples walking along, minding their own business, when all of a sudden, the whole landscape of peace is disrupted. A slave girl, a fortune teller, who used a spirit other than God to tell the future, begins to follow the disciples. Now, following is one thing, but no, she keeps shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God, and they've come to tell you how to be saved. Now, it's interesting to know that what she is yelling is true. The disciples were followers of Jesus, the Most High God, and they were most willing to tell people how they could be saved with a faith in Christ. So what she was saying was accurate and truthful, but the way she was saying was obnoxious and irritating. And it's a big hint to us all that we can be communicating the truth about God, but how we say it makes a big difference or saying it the wrong way can actually be offensive, repelling to people. So instead of leading them to God, we end up pulling them away from him because maybe we're too pushy. I think we can all remember uh, people who are on street corners who are yelling that people must repent and turn towards God or they have these awful signs on, on the sidewalk. And while that is true, the way they say it is often offensive and counterproductive. The medium is the message. And if the medium is bad, the presentation of the gospel is bad. Back to our story. So this fortune-telling girl is yelling. Now, if someone yells this statement once, eh, okay, that's not too bad. Maybe twice or thrice. Bothersome, not too bad. But the story says, did you catch the phrase? They. After day after day, this girl kept following the disciples and saying that line over and over again. At some point, the Bible says Paul is so exasperated that he realizes this woman is not working for God, but against God, and she was being pushy, offensive. She was becoming a distraction to God, and to make matters worse, whether it was due to her profession or for some other reason, Paul decides she is possessed by a demon, for even Satan would quote scripture and use it wrongly. And so Paul commands a demon to come out of her. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And boom, it leaves her. 
It is always super powerful to say the name of Jesus if you are in trouble, especially if you're being bothered by a spirit not from God. And it's interesting then that in annoyance with people that an opportunity for ministry arises. I remember Heidi Lum and I were at a Soul Survivor uh, Festival and this woman kept running back and forth, back and forth, babbling where we and some of our church people were standing. And she was scaring people and she was a major distraction to the conference. And after a while, I wondered if something demonic is going on. And like Paul, I was getting a little irritated. And I remember thinking, okay, that's it. That's enough. And so Heidi and I stretched out our hands and prayed, in the name of Christ, be healed. And immediately, the woman fell to the crown, where the staff and one of our deacons went to care for her, and we continued to pray for her. Demonic? Coincidence? I don't know. But I do know that prayer works when there is trouble. I remember my dear friend Margie came home and walked up a stairway when suddenly she discovered a burglar was in her home. And she fell down the stairs, and he was in the second floor, and he hit her with a, her decorative cane from China on her head and her arms four times. And so she yelled, Jesus Christ, son of the living God, help me. And she yelled it two more times, Jesus Christ, son of the living God, help me. Jesus Christ, son of the living God, help me. And the burglar fled. Causation or correlation? You decide, but it worked. Whenever one deals with healing or fighting with evil spirits, one should always use the name of Jesus Christ. And that is why we always end our prayers in saying what? In Christ's name, amen. It is through Jesus Christ we have authority and power. So, kids and adults, when you have nightmares or face some opposition, always pray in the name of Jesus. Now, back to our story. Paul commands a demon in the name of Christ to come out of the girl. So that would be a good thing, right? I mean, someone gets healed. The good news is that this slave girl is healed. Hallelujah! The fortune teller no longer wanted to tell fortunes. Praise God. This medium did not want to give messages using supernatural powers that were not from God. Yes! As an aside, by the way, I don't um, think seeing fortune tellers is a good thing. Um, spiritually, it is in opposition to Jesus. For what can cards or Ouija boards or crystal balls or fortune tellers tell you that what Jesus can't? And the fortune tellers are not talking to Jesus, but to other spirits who will deceptively lead you into a bad life. And that's always bad news. As it says in the Bible, you may not know of this verse, do not turn to mediums or seek out spiritists, for you will be, not might be, you will be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God who said this. But in this episode, this girl who was healed by Jesus no longer feels it is right to do fortune telling anymore, which means her owners are now losing a lot of money. The soothsayer is no longer saying sooths. That's my favorite line right now. So the master of the slave girl gets others to grab Paul and Silas, and the disciples are taken to a local judge, and they give him trumped-up charges against Paul and Silas, which then lead them to being 
stripped naked and beaten with wooden rods. And the Bible says they were not just beaten, but it says, if you look at the passage, they were severely beaten. And if that's not enough, they were then thrown into prison. So remember how the story began? They were just minding their own business, walking to a place of prayer. They just wanted to pray. They weren't doing anything wrong. They're keeping to themselves. They wanted to do something godly that God would approve of, like prayer. And then wham, all hell breaks loose. Now you might see yourself in this story, and many would. How often we are just minding our own business, trying to do a lot of good in this world, when wham, out of nowhere comes bad news or a challenge or injustice or condemnation of you. It could come from a loved one or a boss or a classmate or a friend or a neighbor. It could come as a shock when a medical report tells you that you are in trouble and greatly sick. Or maybe it's a cutback of the job, but now you're on the bubble. Or maybe it's a surprise if your spouse or friend no longer wants to be that. Or maybe it's a failing grade on a paper that you thought was pretty good. It can get stormy unexpectedly on a clear day, and calm seas can suddenly turn very rough. I was talking to a friend recently who thought things were going fine, but then his girlfriend broke up with him, and then the church they were uh, both going to told him that they will support only her, so he had to leave the fellowship. And then he lost his job, and then he lost his apartment, all in the same week or so. And he's a serious follower of Jesus. We are not immune to suffering as Christians. And in this Bible story, it is because Paul and Silas are followers of Jesus that they get in trouble. Bad things can happen out of nowhere. So here are Paul and Silas in prison. It was a beautiful, serene day. They healed someone who had an unclean spirit. And for that, they're kidnapped, suffered injustice, and severely beaten. And they're probably bleeding, heavily bruised, and in excruciating pain. They are then taken to an innermost prison cell, it says, meaning deeper, maybe lower for the, the worst Christians, as if they could escape. And so they stagger down to the cell, no electricity, dark, dreary, in 2013, um, a group from our church had the chance to see the actual remains of the prison in Philippi where Paul and Silas may have been. I mean, it's really crumbled and there's hardly anything left, but I thought I'd show a picture of it for you all. Amazing. Um, I don't know how tall it was before or what, or, but um, these structures are still around. And now here's a picture of possibly Paul and Silas's actual cell. Gives us an idea what it was like. Um, and, of course, walls are knocked down and things. Um, so to make things worse, the, the prison guards put Paul and Silas's feet in stocks, which are like wooden boards with pukas or holes uh, to slip in and lock a prisoner's feet for more torture. They were not designed for flexibility and makes for bad circulation and continual cramps. Painful. How their hearts must have dropped. You know, if I were Paul or Silas, I would have said, God, really? I mean, really? 
I mean, we were unfairly charged and convicted, harshly beaten, stripped of all of our clothes, put into the deepest cells, like we're going to escape, and then you put our, and you put our feet into stocks. I mean, really? I mean, we can say, I deserve better, as if faithfulness prevents all pain in this world. I would have been so depressed and so much in despair. But strangely, that was not Paul and Silas's actual response after they got locked up and their feet put in stocks. What did they choose to do? Our passion says they chose to sing. What? They sang. They worshiped. That's right. They sang hymns. They prayed. They sang. You know, friends, we have a choice in every situation, and they chose wisely to sing to God who has the real power and love. How did they sing? Can you imagine that? I mean, did they do it with clenched teeth? Like, you know, let's just praise the Lord. Or was it like, here I am to worship, here I am to bow down. I can't even bow down these stocks and feet or in the stocks. Or was it more classic hymn? Like, great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. Did they barely get the words out through clenched teeth? No. They must have been praying and singing loudly. Now, why do I think loudly? Because the passion said the other prisoners could hear them. And remember, they're in the innermost, deepest, darkest, far-off cell. So they must have been loud, not whispering their prayers, here I am to worship, but so loud that the others could hear them. It was jailhouse karaoke time. Thank you, David Chang. That was a funny joke. So in our many difficult situations, let's remember that we always have a choice as to how to respond to them, whether when pain comes, do we get angry and bitter? Or do we keep trusting the Lord? And is it possible to worship at those times? They chose wisely. And so God heard Paul and Silas's prayer and praise and worship. And then literally at the midnight hour, the Lord sent an earthquake so severe. It, was at the, it says the prison doors flew open. More than a Jedi trick. It was like a Jesus miracle. And the tremors woke up the jailer, and he ran down to their cell. He was worried that they had escaped, which was kind of dumb because their feet were in stock. And the jailer was so moved, shocked, and dismayed. And the jailer was about to kill himself with a sword, but, he, but he, because he felt he was such an utter failure for letting all the prisoners escape. But then he heard a voice. It was Paul who cried out, no, we're still here. Wait, and, and, and you know, everybody's chains fell off. So don't kill yourself. We're all here. Never kill yourself. There's always hope. No need to cut yourself. There's always hope. Now, how could this be? The jailer called for lights which meant Paul and Silas were in complete darkness in the cell. Torches, the jail, jailer yelled. And when the jailer saw them, he fell before them trembling. He 
He was all shaken up and he brought them out of the cell and asked the question all of us should ask. What must I do to be saved? And Paul and Silas answered, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone else in your household. But it wasn't just a one-liner. Paul and Silas then taught him and his whole household the hope of having Christ in your life. In response, the jailer washed their wounds and cared for them. And then everyone in his household, including the jailer, decided to follow Christ and were baptized right then. And he took Paul and Silas, get this, to his house and set a meal before them. And everyone in the family rejoiced. And I'm sure it was a risk for that jailer to show this hospitality. He was courageous to do that due to the Holy Spirit now residing in his heart. His challenge, his changed life in, in Jesus allowed him to show grace to what were the enemies of the state. Now, this story and all of the New Testament point to this one major point. If you ask the question, what must I do to be saved? And the answer is to follow Jesus, who will save us from our sins, from a lack of purpose, from a lack of joy, from a lack of fulfillment. It is Jesus Christ who can free us, swing those doors open from prison. Or as Paul would later write in a letter to the church in Rome, in the book of Romans, in chapter 10, it says this in the ninth verse. If you open, declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you made right with God, that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. A sign of faith is to openly declare it by words or by action. There it is again. Call on the name of the Lord. Be a follower of him. Be not ashamed of him. Now I realize many of what you're going through, um, many of you who are going through tough times might be thinking, why should I consider following and living for Jesus when I see so much hypocrisy in the church, around the country, or in the world? And my response is, okay, I get that. But while you may be disappointed in some institutions or church leaders, don't lean away from Jesus, rather lean into him. There is a way you can be all in for Jesus, and later you might see how Jesus loves the church, and he calls it his bride, as imperfect as she is but he's committed to her, as we would say in our vows to brides or grooms, in sickness and in health, in wanton and plenty, in sorrow and in joy. And there may be some of you who are here who say, well, great. In this story, they get saved pretty fast 
at the literal midnight hour and are freed from prison right after they prayed and sang. That's pretty fast. But yes, sometimes, especially for you and for me, it takes a while to get through all that humanness until we see God's work of reconciliation and love take place. We live in a broken world, and it takes time. I recall someone who betrayed me, and later, some 17 years later, the person finally apologized to me. 17 years. I remember another one who severely hurt me with unkind words, categorizing me unfairly and brutally. It was some 32 years later, the person finally apologized. So I get it. Due to our broken humanness, reconciliation and love might not have been as quickly as in this story. Life is normally not a micro microwave. It's more like a crockpot. But this I do know. Whether the healing takes uh, quickly, like for the slave girl, or, or to be freed from prison comes quick, seemingly quickly after severe beating and an earthquake, I do know this. I would rather follow Jesus in my long-term suffering, for I know there's light at the end of the tunnel, and that in Jesus... Hope is always arising. For in Jesus, I know I will be saved and find fulfillment. And as we often say in this church, the king always has one more move. Sometimes there are earthquakes in our lives, and it has, and it has to happen for doors to open and for chains to fall off. And sometimes it's in the pain that we are pruned so there's more fruit. And sometimes, like other prisoners in the jail, we need to stay to find why others are singing. And I know right now, some of you feel like you're in a prison. And it might be your home or your job or your school or your neighborhood. And, and you think, how can I sing while feeling in prison? And it seems my present prison sentence is going on forever. Can Jesus find me in my despair? my loneliness in myself. So I want to close with this true story. As you know, just um, recently, um, Pam and I went to England, had to do some ministry there and went to a couple conferences. And um, we made a new friend. Uh, her name is Joy. How appropriate, Joy. And she permitted me to tell her story. She wrote me an email at my request, and she wrote this. I was brought up in a faithless, dysfunctional family. And while I always believed in God and sometimes prayed to him, I never went to church throughout my life. I have been divorced for 40 years. Sadly, no family, but I was happily retired, living in Kent near my two goddaughters. My father died in 1982, but my mother, who was very independent, still lived in a town called Bushy, where I had been brought up. After becoming more and more frail in March 2018, at age 96, my mom had to go into a dementia nursing home. I found the driving back and forth from Kent to visit her too much with my own health conditions, and I couldn't leave her in the nursing home on her own as she hated it. So I sold my home in Kent and moved to Bushy 
in September 2018 to be close to her. I knew no one at all in the area, but it didn't bother me as I spent virtually every day with mom in the nursing home. Sadly, her condition deteriorated and she died in June 2019 at age 97. Five weeks later, before I could integrate into life and get to know anyone in the local bushy area, I suffered a very bad fall at home, breaking my right leg in three places, the plateau bone, my right knee, resulting in an initial period, get this, of five months hospitalization. I was then, after that, household, housebound for months, totally alone, and then locked down struck in March 2020. The only people I saw during that time were the home shopping grocery delivery drivers. I had my third and final major surgery in November 2020. When I came home from the hospital, I was still unable to walk housebound and still in lockdown. I was at rock bottom. I felt I had no reason to exist since mom had died. I was totally alone and couldn't manage with even day-to-day -day tasks and just felt there's no point in carrying on. I can remember sitting up in bed, sobbing, and just saying to God, I can't do this anymore. Please help me. As an aside, how's that for a prison cell, right? And then she wrote this. Three weeks later, we had a torrential rainstorm and my bedroom ceiling started to leak badly onto my bed. This was almost the last straw for me. I rang the man who chaired our residence committee for our apartments. I dealt with him by phone during the process of buying my flat, but had met him just a couple of times briefly. He came around with his daughter and they moved my bed away from the leak and he arranged for it to be sorted. And while he was there, he saw the difficulties I was having and he asked how I was coping. And then he asked if I believed in God, and he mentioned Jesus. He told me of the church he and his wife had been going to for more than 20 years, that is, sole survivor Watford. He suggested that I watch the lockdown live stream services on YouTube, and so I did. Hearing pastors Mike and Andy's sincerity when they talked about Jesus loving us, even though we're not worthy, was wonderful. On Easter Sunday, 2021, the church reopened. I went to the 1130 service. It was strange, as everyone was socially distanced, and I had no idea what was going on in the service. But I felt immediately at home. Pastor Allie Martin was speaking a couple of weeks later, and her talk also resonated with me. So I emailed her and asked her to meet me before the service on the following Sunday so I could find out more. She did. She was so kind. She put me in touch with a lady who lived near the church. I met with her, and on May 2nd, 2021, I gave my life to Christ. Initially, I used to go to her house after each weekly service, armed with a list of questions for the Bible or service which she patiently answered. She has remained a good friend and my mentor on this journey. Pastor Ali also suggested a connect group, a home group, which I joined. I, I didn't think they would want me because they're mostly in their 30s 
with young families, and I'm now 72. However, they were so welcoming and kind. They've become like the family I don't have. I was hospitalized in December 2021. On Christmas Day, one of our group left her four-month-old baby, her three-year-old daughter, her husband, and his family, and came to me in the hospital, armed with video messages from every group member and with a plethora of thoughtful gifts for me. When I came home, they organized a meal rotation to bring me home-cooked meals. They're all so kind and so genuine. I'm so blessed. God has brought me home. I'm no longer alone. I have a loving family at Soul Survivor Church. Jesus wants me. I'm being confirmed May 22, 2022, which is exciting. And Joy ended her email to me saying, my one regret is that I wasted so many years before getting to know Jesus. She wrote me later that her confirmation day in church last Sunday, quote, was the happiest day of my entire life. Well, that wasn't an instant healing or an instant prison break, was it? But every step of the way, did you see, Jesus was there, even to bring some people on a rainy day into her apartment to share about church. And then a great small group who cared for her during her illness, being the hands and the arms of Jesus. And now joy is willing to share the good news about Jesus with all of you. And so what about you? Life has been tough? Feel like life has been a prison? So I ask, are you ready to sing a new song? This is your chance to really get to know Jesus by maybe making a commitment like joy to have more joy and be all in for Jesus. Let's pray. Gracious God, I know as pastor of this church, there are so many people who are going through suffering and pain. I know there's so many people, whether here in person or online, who are having some dark moments and they feel like they're in prison. They feel trapped. They don't feel a lot of hope. I pray, Lord, that they know that in Jesus there can be hope arising. And may they not do any harm to themselves, but may they reach out to you because I know you always hear our prayers. Lord, there may be some here online or in person who are saying, okay, that's it. I've been battling this too long on my own and I want to trust you, Jesus. There may be some here who said, I have been a Christian for a while, but I've been giving up and I want to walk away from Jesus. So this is maybe a recommitment to say, okay, 
I'm back in. As hard as this is, I want to trust you. So, Lord, I want to lead them all in a prayer right now, a very simple prayer, and they can just follow me in the silence of their hearts. Lord, thank you for being with us, even though at times I feel I don't hear you. I'm sorry that maybe I've ignored you or maybe even ran away from you. But thank you that you're so forgiving. And no matter what I say or how I act, you're always there. And so now please come into my life. I want to follow you as joy made that decision. And for some, Lord, this may be a first-time commitment. And for some, it may be a recommitment. But I know, it, as it says in the Bible, that we have to openly declare our faith, and that's part of the courage it takes. And so if anyone here in the sanctuary, as heads are bowed, eyes closed, have made that prayer right now to say, I'm in, Lord, for the first time or as a recommitment. Could you just raise your hand and I, as your pastor and friend, will confirm that before the Lord. And those of you online, there's a commit my life to Christ or to Jesus button, and you can just hit that as your commitment. Is anyone here in the room or online? Lord, you know people's hearts, and you know the journey they're on. And may we have a joy to be all in for you. May we be courageous in that. And may we learn how to sing even when we're in trouble. May we still worship you even when we're in despair. And like Paul and Silas, may we sing loudly. May we shout to you our praise and our gratitude. We thank you. And so um, before I give the final uh, benediction, I just want to say some of you might still want some prayer. And our prayer team will be meeting just outside those glass doors in the corner, outside in a quiet, confidential place. So please take advantage of that for some prayer. And then second, we'd love to see you having coffee with us at the espresso bar. If you're a visitor, it's free uh, espresso on us. But for all of you, uh, receive this blessing before we sing a final song. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and his countenance be upon you. And may you know deep in your heart the wonderful love and joy of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. May we always glorify and honor his name. In Christ's name, amen. Jesus can release you from your prison. All you have to do is believe in him and trust him. If you want to catch up on or listen again to previous services, visit our websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. You can also find First Prez sermons on most major podcast services and on YouTube. First Prez invites you to church. There are two ways to worship, in person and online. Services are Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. at the Ko'olau campus, 10 a.m. at the Vine, or online at our websites. 
Remember, when you visit the First Pres website, sign up for emails for links to sermons, daily devotionals, church news and updates, and lots more. And as always, if there's anything First Pres can do for you, please reach out through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Senior Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Pres, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2022 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.